Radio Influence. The future is now. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? Welcome to Duffified Live. We're talking about episode number 30. That's 30 episodes that we've done uh, for a long time. I feel like I've been at it forever. Um, I hope that uh, you guys have had as much fun as I have. Um, But I do have to start, uh, change up my format just a little bit for the week. I have to thank uh, the boys down there at RadioInfluence.com for putting up with my shit every week, uh, my lateness, uh, my inability to do shows on a consecutive manner. I lie to them on a weekly basis and tell them that I uh, I have people. I'm just joking. Uh, we work on it all the time. Sometimes it's tough to get uh, these guests lined up uh, with uh, with some schedules. Check out the boys down there at RadioInfluence.com. The amount of podcasts that these guys are involved in is, is just mind-boggling. They have some great, great podcasts. Get out there. Check out my boy Ian Beckles, flavor in your ear. Plus, he's doing a little barbecue stuff and some fun things. I've got to get back down there and see those guys. I miss my Tampa friends tremendously. Um, speaking of other friends that I have, I want you guys to uh, get over there and check out Maggie Gagliardi. You can check her out on Instagram and Twitter at Mags Art. Uh, she's awesome. She's got a bunch of really cool art shows coming up that I really want you guys to check out. So um, get over there on Instagram and Twitter and talk to Mags Art. That's M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Um, also want to shout out to uh, our good friends out there at Techno Solutions for taking care of all of my websites and some of my graphic design stuff. Um, Michelle is just a blessing in my life. Uh, I really adore her and her entire team. Um, they take care of a lot of my clients with things that we do from menu design all the way over to web design to social media and the whole nine yards. They're a great, great group, so get over there and check them out. But with that being said, we took care of all of the people that I really felt the need to uh, to talk to and talk about. Um, we have some pretty cool things going on for uh, this year happening with – or for this week happening with uh, this show. Okay, So we're talking about the fact that this is episode number 30. What's this? Is this Drake? Yeah. Singing 30? Is that who it is? Did it happen? I hear it. I think I hear it. Is it playing? Oh, 30 for 30 freestyle. Never thought I'd be talking from this perspective. See? But I'm not really sure what else you expected when the high ups all come together expect. as a collective with conspiracies to end my run. 30, baby. 30 episodes of Duffified Live. That's exactly what we're talking about. So a uh, couple of really cool things have happened in the last couple of weeks. Like, like super inspiring things. I mean, things that uh, have are, are like life changing and altering for me. Um, I uh, was at the Beard Awards this year for my brothers, uh, who were nominated for two Beard Awards for a show called Eat the World uh, with Irma Lagasse on Amazon uh, on Amazon Video. So if you get a chance, go over and check that show out. Please do me a favor, go to Amazon, download it. It's called Eat the World with Emeril Lagasse. It's six just brilliant ep- episodes. Um, not only were they nominated for a James Beard Award, but they were also awarded. Let me rephrase that. Nominated for five Emmys and they won two. One for best culinary and one for single camera editing. So that's pretty awesome, man, to think about the fact that in all of the world and all the shows that are out there with that have to do with food, Emeril Lagasse's Eat the Eat the World, produced and created by my brothers, won an Emmy. So 
uh, I, uh, have been running around. Um, I was uh, at the James Beard Awards a couple of months, about a two or three months ago, and I met Farmer Lee Jones, who was on the show last week. And and uh, Lee and, and the family had invited me out to the farm uh, a week and a half ago to get out there and sit down and uh, be in, involved in something called the Roots Initiative or the Roots Innovate. Uh, it is uh, it was an amazing, amazing experience for me. You know, I flew in on Sunday afternoon and I got into Cleveland and. Um, I got to meet a bunch of really cool people when uh, you know we got in the car and headed over to the uh, to the farm itself. Um, got to have dinner with everybody and got to kind of sit down and chill out and meet all this a bunch of the speakers and um, you know the the amazing people from Steelite that were out there and and chefs. I mean, I'm talking about chefs, man. These guys were absolutely brilliant. It was it was truly an inspiring couple of days. Um, if you get a chance, head over to um, the Culinary Vegetable Institute. You can just Google that or you can Google Farmer Lee Jones and you can see this stuff. Um, I was invited to speak on a panel about labor um, and kind of the retention process of labor. And, you know, I, I always talk about the first 10 years, which unfortunately the first 10 years are now the first 12 years. Then I talk about the second 12 years of my career. 10 and 10 is usually what I do, but I'm getting older, man. You know, I'm 46. I'm getting a little old. Um, so I talk about the first 10 and the last 10 of my career because I really believe that the first 10 led me to become a great individual in the industry um, or in my portion of the industry. Let me put it that way. Um because without all of that stuff that happened in those first 10 years, I would not be the person that I am today. You know, if I didn't have Tony Clark standing behind me throwing shallots at my head telling me that that's not any any shallot, that's a four-season shallot, then I probably wouldn't have, have tried to take as much pride in the product that I was working with. If I didn't work with Jean-Marie Lacroix who thanked me for being in the kitchen one day, I, I really don't – or every day. I really don't think that I would be the person that I am. The weird thing is when I graduated from culinary school and I left the Four Seasons at the same time I was doing a uh, um, uh, another apprenticeship at a place called San Marco, which I worked for free as well. That was a uh, another unpaid internship uh, at San Marco, which was this amazing restaurant on City Line Avenue, which is now the world's most unique KFC. But I worked at those two places for free, one under a French chef and the other under an Italian chef. And the things that I learned for them were just – from them were invaluable. You know. And when I leave there, when I left there, I ended up going to uh, – I ended up bouncing at a bar um, for eight bucks an hour while I was in culinary school and working two jobs for free as well. So it, 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 was, it was really a, a kind of a lead-in to what was going on. But the weird thing is that as, as soon as I graduated from two classic – from from one uh, you know a, a classic school and working with two classic uh, chefs one being italian one being french and then going down into the keys where i learned a whole different world i worked under a gentleman named jay anderson and and, and jay you know bless his heart and bless his soul um, has passed uh, since my time of being down there and i learned a lot from jay anderson one was kind of how to be like a full blown dickhead um because that's kind of what Jay was. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of a dead man or any of that stuff. It's just the guy that I worked with. You know, um, He was, a, he was a, a nice guy in the beginning and he kind of ended up being a little bit of an asshole. And, and, and that's OK. We all have that. You know, I was an asshole as well. But I, I, I saw kind of a reality of a kitchen at that point. And this was in 1995, 96 within that realm um, of, of what was going on in kitchens. So, so I, I ran the first 10 years of my business and, and of me being a chef kind of like a dictator as opposed to a leader. And, and I lost some really good cooks during that time frame. Um, 
because I thought that, hey, maybe it was just a, a fictitious world that I lived in that, that the Four Seasons existed or that San Marco existed. But but what I knew was working down at a restaurant called Snook's Bayside. It's down in Key Largo. It's behind the old Largo Honda. Largo Honda. I don't know if it's still there or not. I haven't been down there in years. But what I do know is that I learned a lot of things of what not to do for the next 10 years. Okay, during this time frame, let me rephrase that. I learned a tremendous amount over the next 10 years of what not to do in kitchens. So the 10 years to follow that um, were a whole different world for me because it was something where I, I really took a tremendous amount of pride in what I was doing rather than you know searching for, for accolades and awards and all the other stuff. Don't get me wrong. I was on TV. I loved it. It helped my career. It pushed me along. It, it got me a little recognition for what I do. I, if it wasn't for the TV, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys right now because you have no idea who the fuck I was. So – I have to embrace that and I've got to embrace it really kind of hard. Um, but but the next 10 years, I really got a whole different appreciation for what I was doing because I realized that I was just being a dictator. I wasn't being a leader. And I needed to start leading my guys and spending time with them and, and coaching them and educating them. And I spent a good amount of time doing that. And I noticed that during that time frame, my staff was staying longer. They were working a little bit harder. They were working a little bit faster. Uh, they were working much smarter. And it's because I wasn't just dictating what they should do. I was really trying to give them an education. I really wanted an education. In this day and age, we're in such a crazy world. You know, I mean, shit, the things that are happening and what's going on is just maniacal. And we all have to eat. But we're having the hardest time of our lives in our entire in any of our careers. We're having a hard time finding good quality help for the kitchens. So we find that we're now hiring a lower quality of person, and we're really hoping that we can we can kind of teach them, that we can train them and educate them to move along, make that investment in them. And one of the things that I spoke about while I was up at Roots was the fact that we need to – we are no longer interviewing our employees. We are interviewing them in the, in, the, in the general sense of the word. We're asking them the questions. How many ounces are in a cup? Where did you work before? What's the most important thing you learned from there? What's the worst thing you learned from there? You know, These are things that we ask. What's your favorite station on a line? Can you tell me how to break down food cost? Well, how do you walk yourself – walk me through cooking a burger. You know, These are things that we ask. But what they're doing is they're interviewing us at the same time because if you're going to come and work for me and you're going to make $10, $11, $12 an hour to learn, why would you come and do that if Outback's paying 15 bucks an hour right now to go over and clean some fucking onions? Why? Why would you come and work for me? So I have to inspire you, and this is what I really wanted to, to get my point across for – Last week, and I know that we talk about this all the time, but it really just became prevalent again because I, uh, you know, Panini Pete was up there, my good buddy Panini, one of the mess lords, the owner of Panini Pete's down in Alabama and Fairhope and Destin and and all throughout the areas down there, and then he's got you know his new spots that have opened up in in West Virginia. He was really somebody that was important for me to have out there um, because he gets to see it on a much larger scale than just me being in my in my you know my little world of running around the country opening properties and my restaurants you know that I've been involved in so i really wanted Pete up there with me and it was really a great opportunity i think for both of us to be there but for me um, i saw the reaction uh, from the people that i was speaking to while we were there and it was really just pretty awesome to have the conversations with everybody afterwards and listen to what some of these other chefs were doing and what their creative process was. Why? Because it's creative when you're working with employees, man. You know, I mean, these, these guys are busting their ass for your reputation, and that's a big, big task. Hold on, I have to drink. Ah, okay, sorry about that. Um, but so if you guys get a chance, check it out. Go over to um, uh, uh, Farmer Lee Jones. 
just Google him and all the information is going to follow. You can see the videos. You can see a bunch of pictures. You can see the food that was I, – I, I, I can't even – like I'm speechless when I think about the food that was being executed there. Um, I unfortunately had to leave. I had to leave a little bit early because I had to fly to Sacramento. So I only got to spend one day of a two-day conference out there. But I'm really planning on making that trek next year. Hopefully, I'll be able to speak again. Um, but I, I want to just throw out a tremendous thank you um, to the entire staff of, of Marcy and Erica and Trishina, um, you know, and and Farmer Lee Jones and his entire family for for getting me out there and, and allowing me to be such a part of, or part of something which was just so inspiring and 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 so creative and just so much of a soul searching. Uh, it, it literally launched a soul searching week for me. Um, I made a lot of relevations this week. I had a lot of relevations this week. I had some pretty big epiphanies this week. Um, just kind of what's with what's going on with, you know, work and travel and my career and some of the stuff that I really want to get done. Um, so it was a really good week for me. And um, and once I start my once I'm done my next interview, I want to talk about a couple other little things that I got to do this week. I headed out to Sacramento. Thank you so much to uh, the amazing team out there at the California Walnut Board. Um, I got to get out and hang out with everybody out there for an entire week. I got to hang out with some phenomenal, phenomenal chefs. Um, you know, uh, I mean, just, just people that I never in my life thought I'd be hanging out with, you know, I mean, I got to hang out with, uh, geez, I can't even, there's so many of them. I can't even throw their names. Ivy Stark was out there, just a tremendous chef out of New York, lives in Chicago now. Um, you know, uh, she's Brittany uh, Neeson from uh, she's down there at Cheddar's in Orlando. And um, Kurt, Kurt, I can't even say your last name, but the, the executive chef from the University of Michigan, you know, getting to have conversations with these guys and sitting down with them and communicating. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the chef from from Cheesecake Factory. Jesus, could you imagine the chef from Cheesecake Factory? Think about what his job must be like, you know amazing guys that we got to sit down and have conversations with and some great media personalities as well and uh, just had an opportunity and experience of a lifetime to be able to walk through the walnut groves during harvest time um, you know where there's about 70 trees per acre and these guys are dropping about 3200 tons or about um, about three and a half tons per acre of walnuts that are coming out this year so we're pretty stoked to get all this stuff going on um, but uh, I actually am uh, I'm being told that our guest is on the line. So uh, give me one second. We're going to hop over to our next guest uh, who I, I know you guys all know, uh, just a really, really cool, cool group of people uh, that I've watched for a while. You guys know you've seen them. You guys know all about them. I'm going to throw two names out there and I'm going to say them. And if you don't go, hey, I know they, they sound familiar. We're talking about Dan and Laura Dotson. You guys know who they are? I'll give you a really quick kind of recap here. Dan Dotson is the featured auctioneer on the reality hit TV show Storage Wars on A&E. Uh, his wife, who is Laura um, are the uh, the number one auction team in America. Um, they currently do over 3,000 auctions a year. Um, Lara's a featured auctioneer as well on the show. Um, both uh, born Lara, uh, or I'm sorry, both Lara and Dan do the auctioning. Sometimes they kind of switch it up a little bit, but they have a really cool kind of relationship and a really cool role in the show. Um, you know, I love the sound of an auctioneer, and 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 when I meet really cool people or I I, I engage with really cool people, I just kind of like to share that with all with you guys. So everybody, do me a huge fa uh, favor: shut your phones uh, uh, off. Get your kids out of the room because I like to talk loud and proud, as everybody knows. Um, and do me a favor and welcome to the show. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the number one American or the numbers, the number one auction team in America. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Dan and Laura Dotson. Money owns this town. Money owns 
this town Yeah, you know what I'm talking about Mommy owns this town So, Dan, what do you So, where are you right now? You guys are out there in California? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down in a parking lot right now waiting for uh, Pedele Lore to come uh, back to the truck. Uh, and I'm in Walgreens parking lot, and I, I had a big, um, I had a big mystery today. I went down there to, to with a big box and my fruit picking pole to pull all my walnuts off my tree, and there was not one walnut left on my tree, and I must no. have had like four or five five gallon bucket loads of them. So I. I sent a text to all my neighbors, both of my neighbors, and I said, does anyone know who may have taken all my walnuts? Uh, they didn't even leave me one. And um, and no, they didn't know anything about it. And so I called my gardener. I sent him a text. And, and I, so I got to the bottom of it. it. It was crows. Crows cleaned me out. No way. All of them? Yeah, black crows, not the band. Okay. <laughs> nice. You know, you know, it's really, well, one, that sucks. But you know what's really kind of ironic about that is I just spent the last three days in uh, Sacramento, uh, where I was in uh, I was up in uh, uh, in the uh, walnut groves over there. I was up there with the California oh. Walnut Board. Yeah, I actually got to watch the entire harvesting of uh, of a couple of acres of walnuts, which was pretty well, cool. Maybe it wasn't a crow. You guys didn't go <laughs> south uh, about five hundred miles. <laughs> no, south, uh, we we were nowhere down that way totally cleaned out I, I you know it looks like professional job to me looked like an inside job maybe somebody knew when i was going to leave or something and i always kind of let my neighbors know what's going on and i was you know i was reconsidering it until right. i figured out that it was actually the crows so that's crazy i'm, I'm back on good graces and with my neighbors did, so did you know that over 99 percent of all of the uh walnuts in the world's population come from california I did not know that. Would that be the English walnut? That is actually the English walnut, and there's another name for it as well. The Chinese have a walnut, but it is a uh, it's actually a different kind of species altogether. Um, but yeah, Cal- I'm sorry, California walnuts are the are uh, are the are basically sold to mainly the United States, and they 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 provide 99 percent of the United States population of walnuts goes right from comes right out of Sacramento and that whole area. Pretty cool. Never knew have that. you ever. Heard- you ever heard of a black walnut? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We used to have a black walnut tree in my backyard, and all it did was dent things and leave nasty black walnut oil all over everything. Do you know that um, you can take those black walnut hulls? I don't recommend doing this, but you can take them and put them like in a toe sack, and if you put them in water, the fish will actually float up to the top, and you can fish that way. I don't think it's legal, and I've only heard about it in books. But um, that's they do that, they do huh. that with black walnuts. Sounds they like use them for dye and everything. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew the kind of the benefits of the black walnut and kind of what they do, but I had no idea about that. All I knew is, man, they they just they made a huge mess in that backyard. We yeah, had a deck. they're really tough. Yeah, and they're so, tough to break open. You hardly break them open with a hammer. Yeah, they're tough, and they were saying that the Chinese walnut as well is really, really tough as well. That one of kind of the characteristics of a walnut, a California walnut, or that that English walnut, is the fact that they actually have a shell that can be broken just by pressing the two of them together. That the black walnut and the Chinese walnut do not. Plus, the Chinese walnut has less meat. So, the things well, I learned that doesn't have right. Let's hope yeah. that doesn't reflect on the people of California. You know, <laughs> exactly. easily cracked. 
Easily crack. Well, and I mean, my father always said that California was the land of fruits and nuts. So, you know, I mean, you're a little crazy to live out there and it's a little bit fun. So, right. but I, I just had a great time out there. I was in, uh, I was there, I guess, Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I flew down to LA and did some family time and uh, had some fun down there. So, so where are you guys? We from? Were there. Well, we're in Yucaipa and we're about uh, four or 500 miles um, south of Sacramento where you were. We just, we were just, we just, we got up. What did we do? Uh, it was seven o'clock, uh, early Saturday morning, we drove and we got up there at about, uh, uh, five or six in the afternoon. And then we did a turnaround and came right back and got home at four in the morning, early oh Sunday morning. And, uh, I mean, that was just insane. I, 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 I thought I quit doing shit like that when I was 20 or 30 years old, but no, nope, <laughs> I'm still at it. Still rocking and rolling. Now, what were you guys doing? Sure. Well, our, our middle son, my middle son, uh, has our grandson, and he lives in Yuba City, and we were looking for a piece of property that, uh, that, that we could put our son into that would be close to his son and his son's school and stuff. So we, we actually found something, and we had made an offer on it, and, and we're just kind of waiting to see you know, how things work. But yeah, we're just up there trying to, trying to help our family out you know, oh, with cool, where man. they're living. Nice. Yeah. So now, I mean, let's just, let's get down to kind of the world here. So how did you guys get involved in what you do now? With you auction? The auction? Yeah. Well, I mean, George, George. no, I mean, I think auction is really kind of the, the key. I mean, look, I read your bio. I, I know about you guys. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it right off the bat. I, I love the show. I'm huge fans of you guys. You know, I think you guys Thank are a you. great team and the dynamic between the two of you is just awesome. And, and it's and the cool part about that is it's not only on camera. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've you know, I mean, off camera, you guys as well. There were some producers that I know that have worked on the show in the past and runners and stuff like that. And, and they all said, like, hey, they're great people. So it's kind of cool. Well, to hear. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know, we, we we try to we try to be as true to ourselves as, as we can. I kind of have this philosophy that if you go through life and and you're being yourself and you fail at it, then, you know, that's just the way that it is. But if you're going through life and you're acting like something you're not and you fail at it, that's your own damn fault. That's yeah. your own fault for not being you, you know, exactly. Everybody can be themselves a lot better than anybody else can. And I just, we have a good time with it. So, uh, you know, I'm a third generation auctioneer. I started auctioneer in 1974. My grandfather and mom were auctioneers and I used to spend a lot of time in Arkansas and, and, uh, you know, when I was 16, I was back out here in California. I used to ditch school on Tuesdays and I would go auction furniture off at the Chino auction. And, and then when I graduated high school at 17, I moved out of the house and I started selling goats and pigs and whatever I could. And, <laughs> and in, in three, I started American auctioneers and started uh, selling storage in 85. And Laura and I tied up, I think like in 1990. I saw her for the first time at an auction. She left and I flirted with her. And a year later, she came back to the same auction buying restaurant equipment. She was a restaurateur and, and I flirted with her and I tried to blast on her and she left. And, and I'm not kidding. A year later, she comes back to the same auction. Wow. And um, this time I took a break and I, you know, I told her, I said, you know, you know, if you weren't married or attached, I'd just snatch you up and she gave me her number. And and our second date, she kind of moved in and never left. And, and that was like 21 oh, wow. years ago. And we just had our 17th anniversary, wedding anniversary. And, um, you know, you're supposed to give big rocks on the 17th. So I did at, you know, four times of <laughs> Alabama river rock. I, <laughs> I gave her for our anniversary. She loved it. And, uh, That's you know, awesome, you know, dude. You know. <laughs> I'm a romantic. I like that. 
I'm I'm a romantic at heart. I've got my I've got my you know I've got my world in that in that stuff as uh, as well. You know, I mean, they say that uh, a buddy of mine sent me a, a meme the other day, and it was a picture of a of a man and a woman. I don't know if it was from a movie or not. They both got their hands up in the air, and she's got her hand uh, in his uh, go in in his waistband, pulling his gun out, and it said, "Find the woman who's going to have your back no matter whatever happens." That's so, right. That's the one. And Laura, Laura and I are, are that way, man. I mean, whatever it is, it's, 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 you know, all for one and one for all. And, you know, if you fight with one of us, you're going to have to just tangle with both of us. And it's just the way it is. I mean, it's just the way it is. And so now how did, so it, I'm sorry, go so ahead. The storage work, we started putting stuff on YouTube in 07 and um, we did it for 07 and 08 and 09. And, and 2009 came along. If you remember, our economy was really tanking. And ABC and NBC both got a hold of us wanting to do a, uh, uh, like a thrift economy story. And they wanted to feature our company doing these modern day treasure hunt auctions, you know, in the storage business and the moving storage business. So we left them. And after that, we had 27 production companies over 18 months and, and networks contact us. And wow. we went in with one called go go lucky and they had absolutely the wrong idea and um laura wakes up from a dream one day and she goes you know i'm not going to worry about go go lucky because another company is going to contact us on september 2nd she writes this in her dream book and and they're going to be a company called a to z productions and i swear to god she says this they're going to have offices in new york miami memphis and la and on oh, october geez. 14th they're going to sell us to, i swear to god and on october 14th 2009 um they're gonna they're gonna pitch us to the network that's going to pick us up thank you god and she underlines it twice right well wow. on september 2nd yeah september 2nd i i get an email and it's not from north south productions it's from I mean, it's not from AZ Productions. It's from a company called North South Productions. And they do have an office in Miami, L.A. They don't have one in Memphis, Tennessee, but they have one in Knoxville, Tennessee. So she got like three cities and four states, right? And so we tell everybody that's uh, whining and dining us trying to throw together a show for Laura and I. Um, I just tell them, you know, we're going to go with this company and October 13th came along and they send us an email and they say, we're going to pitch you to the history channel. Well, shit, October wow. 14th, 2009, Laura's talking to one of the head guys at history channel, you know, and A&E owns history. Well, that guy leaves history and goes over to A&E and he swears he didn't do it on purpose, but that's when A&E was picked up. Right. Laura has another dream after that, uh, that North South production took our tape and they put it in a cabinet. And she goes, what do you think about that? And I think you should call him. She calls him up and says, this is Laura Dawson, the auctioneer's wife, wondering how our show's coming along. They mistook her for the wife of a different auctioneer for a different show they were doing back in Ohio called, I don't know, Auction Barn or something like that. I don't know what the name of it was. <laughs> I don't even sure. I'm making sure they gave her a name. So anyway, I can, I'm watching Laura, and the longer she's talking to these people, the more pissed off she's getting. Finally, she goes, well, what's the name of the other show? How can you have two? And, well, we haven't come up with a name yet. She, she just... She ba- she didn't hang up on him. She says goodbye, but as soon as she slams the phone down, she like screams out, not scream, but she says, God, just send us a Tom Beers. I have no idea who that is. I look at <laughs> I said, who's that? And she said, that's Ice Star Trucker, Axeman and Deadliest Catch. Those are shows you watch. Yes, they mm-hmm. are. And three weeks later, I'm at a sale, and this guy comes up to me, and he goes, you ever think about doing a reality show? And I've already had 15 assholes talk to me, right? And they're all liars. And I look at this guy, and I say, you have to I say, you're number 16, baby. What's your name? And he gives me his heart. It's Tom Beers. And I just started stammering. I just said, no way. I said, my wife prayed to God you'd come. Here you are. You're the guru. If you can turn this stuff into gold, then you're patient. I got 45 days left on, on this contract. He goes, I'm patient. He never said a word about 
you know, money or anything, but seven days, luckily seven days before this contract was up, we had another cast from discovery channel, a production company represent discovery channel and says, Hey, we'll give you this pile of money. If you will let me develop you and your lovely wife for a show, we need six months. And I explained to him that I'm in a holding pattern for Tom beers. Thank you very much. Have a great day. I basically hung up and three hours later, he calls me back and he goes, look, he goes, I will give you this signing bonus and I will give you six shows on Discovery Channel stationery if you will let us, uh, you know, develop this. And so I told him that was a wonderful financial olive branch and I would entertain it. And as soon as I got off the phone, I, I sent Tom Beers an email. I said, hey, Tom, hey, these guys say six shows, Discovery Channel, this money. You say History Channel. What say you? What do you know with these four? You're going to sell four shows of history. And he came back with a matching offer and, and through a little negotiation, we got him to increase that about 25%. And, and it went from show, you know four shows to 200 and something now. You know, wow. it's just been, been an amazing ride. And, That's uh, unbelievable. And we just can't even believe it. And, uh, you know, Laura, just, you know, from time to time, she'll have these prolific dreams. So I'm at dinner with this guy, uh, David McKillop in New York. And he was, he was, he worked, he was a, like a VP or something for a and 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 he says, yeah, this wasn't the first time you were ever pitched to us. And that was all I was waiting for. I said, oh yeah. yeah. And I gave him all the dates just like I gave you. And, and then they went and, uh, they shot a little pilot around Laura and her, you know, her abilities, they, they didn't do a very good job with it. So they don't think they really represented her very well with it, but she's definitely blessed like that. She, she gets, she has these dreams and stuff and they just, they turn out to be true so many times. And that's awesome. So I don't even, I can't even walk porno without getting caught, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she sees all. So how, oh, uh, so how did, how did Laura go from being in, I mean, and, and I can always ask Laura this when she gets back in the car or, or when she's done it, what you guys are doing, but uh, well, actually I'll wait for her. I'll wait for her on that question. So, so how did you guys then get into the world of all of the additional characters? I mean, you guys have some pretty well, damn ca- good characters out there. Yeah. You know, Laura and I would go out and we would drive 250 miles every day. And when we would come back, we would grade people one through 10, 10 being, somebody that would be really great for the show and one being somebody that would be horrible for the show, but they act like they want to be on it. So right. every day we would go out and we would come back and, and compare notes. And, you know, I had Dave Hester and she had uh, uh, Daryl and, right. you know, Dave come with the 10, Daryl came with the 10, Jared, we were doing business. Jared came back with the 10. Well, at the same time, all this stuff was going on, you know, auction hunters was going on. And what was the other one? Storage hunters and auction hunters. Right. Those two shows were going on. And Laura and I, we were doing a little consulting for those shows also, but we just didn't tell them everything. I mean, you know, they didn't, they didn't ever get a good legitimate show like what the storage wars is. And that's one reason it's, it's so popular because I mean, my auctions are legitimate. They're real risk. They're real units. There's nobody, there's nobody beforehand going and stuffing anything in my units. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way, regardless of what people might say or what they might think. It just, it never works that way. And, and everything that I sell on, on storage wars, it's a real deal, man. I mean, they're, they're real auctions. And when, when we do locations that aren't our own, I mean, I have production supply me contracts that say these are real lean units, you know, nobody's, nobody's jacking with us and, and having me sell, you know, a staged unit or whatever. Cause sure. you know, that's, that's, that doesn't work very good for the longevity of the show. You no, know, not at all. Real buyers, real risk. And so anyway, that's how, uh, the only person originally that uh, we didn't bring to the show was Barry Weiss. And, you know, he was, uh, he was, uh, Jesse James's godfather and Tom Beers met him on the, the set of Munster garage. And that's, how, Oh wow. Look at that. That's how, 
that's how he originally got on the show. And I think, I think, you know, Barry said, he's a very funny individual. And, and I think when they first saw it, they thought, well, it'll just kind of be the Barry show. And, and this other thing, you know, will just kind of be, you know, something that will hold Barry. Well, you know, Barry hasn't been around for, I don't know, five, six, seven seasons. And we're still, we're still going down the road with it. So, I mean, he was a great addition, but he wasn't the only reason that it worked. I mean, right. You know, it works because we have, it's like a stew, man. It's like you have different ingredients of a stew. And if you have too much of anything, it, it doesn't work. But if sure. you have just the right amount of potatoes and onions and celery and, you know, meat and, <laughs> you know, then it, then it's a good, it's a good stew. And right. It tastes good to people. So, so and, you uh, got, I, I didn't know that you guys were more or less the creators of the show at that point then. I think more, uh, we are, we, we inspired the show. Tom right. Beers created storage wars. Tom Beers okay. did that. Laura did talk with history channel, did give her a breakdown of how it could work with teams and how, you know, you never know what's inside the box. And we were putting YouTubes out, you know, showing, Hey, what's in that box. Oh, it's a machete. It's not a gun. I mean, we were kind of doing that at the time. And some of the production companies that, um, uh, contacted us and I'm not kidding. We had 27 of them over 18 months. Um, one of them came through and said that it was a mandate by the networks that they figured the shit out and they get us. And that's cool. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what we had heard from, from some of the folks that had reached out to us. And right. so I don't know, I just, you know, I think God had his hands on everything and, and, you know, everything was lined up. Right. And, you know, I, and it's still going because it's supposed to, and whenever it's supposed to end, I guess it'll end. It'll end it's, yeah. We're not there yet. It's a tough, it's a tough world, man. You know I mean? A lot of people don't know what goes in fun. You know, one, just the, just the process of getting a show picked up. I mean, it's a lot harder now than it ever was. You know I mean? I, I, my, my brothers, my brothers own a production company. They're Emmy winning, you know, Emmy winning producers and the whole nine yards. And, and it's, it's a tough world, man. I mean, production right now is they're scared shitless. Yeah. And they're, they're taking like, you know, washed up actors and actresses. Nothing personal to them. You no, nothing at all. We know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll take them and they'll say, okay, we're going to put them in the same format as we're as every other show is out there, and people are going to watch it. Well, bullshit. It's not the yeah. way that it works. People really want to see something that's real, something that's raw. They don't. They can smell the bullshit from a mile away, and sure. and that's what people like. And and when Storage Wars came along, timing's everything because you know you you had guys that were slinging hammers that had been out of work for a year or two. And they had savings accounts, but they didn't know what to do. They right. you know they had to learn something new. So you know, getting off the couch and going out and buying something for a dollar and selling it for three, that's a hell of a great concept. And a lot sure. of people around me make a living doing that. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of easy to kind of catch that and say, well, this is a modern day treasure hunt. I mean, people are making a living and every once in a while they do spectacular and it, it happens. And we just happen to do enough business and be in an area where we've got lots of stories of lots of fines and, you know, life changing things that have happened around us. And, you know, we're chasing the money and, and we're hoping everybody's chasing us. Right now. Have you, what's, what's, uh, I mean, what's it like? I mean, you guys are standing in these massive storage units with all these people around you, cameras and all that stuff. How, uh, I mean, look, how many duds do you get where these guys, oh, just, lots you know, they open it up and, and there's, there's a couch. Yeah, it, it happens. You know, normally, 
you, you'll see that little red tag on there and we grind a lot of locks off for the show. And those sparks are really for the people. They're, they're for, you know, they're just for the show. Of course. And legally, legally we have to do an infant in California. Legally, we cut the lock off three weeks before the sale. We open oh. the door. We, we, we tape record the entire process. We don't go in the unit unless there's a gun, a meth lab, a vehicle, something <laughs> that needs to be cleaned. And Silence the of the lambs with a limo and a, and a head in a jar. Uh, uh, there's, uh, there's been weird shit like that. We can talk about that, but, but, it, but it, the, the way that the, we do our procedures. So if the people do come at the last minute and pay their unit up, it happens all the time. Right. They have to know that their stuff hasn't been jacked with in there. And so when we cut it, we put that unique one of a kind seal on there. We don't break that off till auction time. We record okay. that on the receipt, my statement. And, and during the lock cutting, we'll, we'll read that to the camera the camera will stay on the door and our lock cutter the whole time. And like I said, they're not allowed to go in there. If they have to go in a unit, then they have to document it. They have to take the camera in with them. I mean, they have to really treat it right. Like if there's uh, weapons in there, um, I tell them to go in there. If they see the weapons, go ahead and pull the weapons out, check them to see if they're loaded, lay them out, take the serial number and the caliber and the model and the make off of it, and then put that on, on the inventory sheet. Then come auction day, if it's still there, then that's excluded from the sale or it's included with the sale. If, if indeed they can pass a federal firearms background check and if they, if they can't, we discourage them. We, we tell them to leave that there and then we'll just tell the manager to call the law and have them pick it up. But normally they figure out ways to own those guns and we let them, you know, figure it out. You know, they do private party to private party transfers. And, and if there's a meth lab in there, you know, there's, there's a lot of, or, you know, if it smells like there's a dead guy in there or something, you know, they might want to call the police and wow. have things checked out instead of just selling it. And, and it's happened a few times. I mean, I, I sold, I sold two or three with people in there and, wow. and I've known of a couple more. Yeah. Jeez. I was in the wood one time and, uh, I was with the manager and I just smelled it. And I said, you've got a dead guy and you got a dead person over here. And they called the police and the police came and saw the ant trail going in and out. And uh, oh. said, well, we, you know, trash in there, just trash, you know, it was rotten. And, uh, and then they pulled out the paperwork of the guy that it belonged to. They ran him and he was, uh, like an international type fugitive and he was down in, uh, Mexico. And, um, so they went ahead and, and got the warrants to go in there. And there was some, uh, girl that, uh, had been cut up in little pieces and put back together like a puzzle. With a, Get with out a, of here. Flower, I swear to God. And a flower wreath put around her head. I mean, he was a real sick guy. Oh, my God. One, one time down in National City, they kept finding bits and pieces of people. And uh, so the undercovers uh, befriended a homeless guy that had a unit. And, and uh, everything was in there that ended up putting him in jail. He was just a little psycho. You know, it happens. It happens. I sold a dead guy one time for 20 bucks and uh, the lady had uh, actually killed him the night before Christmas and put him in a two by two by four foot box with lime and potting soil, wrapped him up in plastic and folded him up in this little box. And I sold him for 20 bucks and uh, you can never sell anybody another unit once you sell them something like that. They never, they never get it. There's really, there's a trust issue that might be involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I I finally get her. It took me about seven years to get the lady your money back, but. Oh, jeez! I had a guy, we had a guy uh, where I live in, I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And I remember in high school, you, you had mentioned lime or lie. And uh, we guy who was, 
the son of the 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 the, the uh, chief of police where I live, and he killed somebody and kept him in his basement, like covered him in lie the whole nine yards, did everything. Lars in the car. Isn't she? <laughs> where did you want him to? Where did you want him to keep him? Well, yeah, I get you know. I mean, I guess the best place would have to be under you know underfoot of a police chief. You know, it's the right. last place they're going to look, but. Room in, there wasn't room in the pantry. I'm just no, he's a yeah. Now he's he's full fledged, like in jail, the whole nine yards, man. I mean, this was 25 yeah. years ago, but so so this, this, this lady got 15 years or something like that. She's probably a probably what? Uh oh. Oh, that's okay. It just came through with the truck. Oh, the Bluetooth. Okay. Yeah, it's a Bluetooth. I I wanted to make sure I got you back on the mic. Uh, phone speaker now my my yeah. my phone's like trying to die so i i i pushed the button and now i've got the little i got the little charging thing happening so we don't oh, get good. disconnected perfect so so i mean some of the stuff that you guys have seen i mean i i'd love to talk about that a little bit more in, in a couple of minutes but i mean for you after doing this for all of these years i mean do you consider yourself now i mean are, have you become an expert in stuff that you see i mean you know when you look at like jared on the show like jared knows a certain genre of stuff barry knows a certain genre of stuff are you kind of an all-around expert at this point when you look at something and say that's a that's an eames chair that's worth four thousand dollars you know i i don't i wouldn't say that i'm an expert on on everything but everybody does certainly have their forte what they're good at we we had an auction house um, uh, back in the 90s i had one for like 10 years and we did a lot of collectible glass pottery porcelain dolls knives guns we did a lot of different things and i enjoy knives and edge weapons and guns and <laughs> i know a little bit about dolls and i know a little bit about a lot of things and um, right i think maybe what i'm a, a, a pretty good expert at is looking at a unit i can look at a unit and a lot of times i can tell you if it's trash or if it might be a quality unit that had pride and ownership and i can usually kind of pretty pretty well guess what you know what these guys are going to pay for it just and is and is that where you start your opening bid with a speculation you know i've i've always thought that um you know, it really doesn't matter where you start them. It, it's really important where you end up with a unit. So, you know, sometimes if I know I've got a really nice one, I will kind of press people at the door to get a, a little bit larger, you know, opening bid, you know, I'll kind of challenge them a little bit and, and I'll come out the gate with a huge, you know, a huger number and, and then a large increment. And that way I can get to where I want to go better. You know, I'll, I'll do that sometimes. You and know, so when, when you I guys start off, when you guys start off with the units themselves, are you guys paying, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to go all out here. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask yeah. all the questions I've always wanted to know. Are you guys, are the, are the, uh, the landlords or the owners of the, of the, the facility, they're looking to recoup the money that's been lost for say the last four months of non-payment or. Yeah. They're trying to get that money back, but uh, to be honest with you, they lose, they lose most of the time and they just really, the whole industry, the whole industry hates these auctions because it's like the majority of their liabilities with these auctions and, and the percentage of revenue is probably the smallest thing that brings them anything in. So, you know, they don't, they don't like the light being on in the closet. And that's what we did exactly with this thing with storage horses. We turned the light on and everybody see it and uh and they you know the industry kind of enjoyed it being in the dark now that it's not in the dark they believe that they have a lot more liability and and some of them are 
some of them realize that the whole industry has benefited greatly from it. It's made the industry look sexy and young and yeah. it gives storage. You see storage everywhere. You'll see it in advertisements. You'll oh, it's see everywhere. Doors go up. You'll see it in every, uh, you know, every series. I mean, just everybody takes advantage of storage now to where before it was, you know, it was really a boring thing that nobody right. really ever thought about. So, but so now it's, it's not that way. So these people that do these auctions, they just want this stuff sold and they want it cleaned out and they want their liability as little as it can be. And they sure. want to get somebody back in there running that space because that's sure. their business. It's not doing auctions. It's renting the space. And right. That's, and that's then, why, you know, that's why they don't feel like they can go in them because they can pay these things up at the last minute. And so they try to do the legitimate companies try to do everything per procedure and they try to do it legitimate with the law. Right. Because there's a law involved. Yeah. Sure. Wow. So, you know, one of the things that I've noticed when I watch the show is it seems like a lot, like your auctions are getting bigger and bigger, like your crowds, the buyers. I mean, is that, is that something that's planned on the show wise? Like, Hey, maybe we can find some new talent in this, something to that. No, not really. Actually, we, we signed an agreement uh, that, that said we wouldn't tell anybody where the auctions were, when they were, anything about them because they want them to be organic. And if I do, um, then I'm going, they're going to lose more than a million dollars worth of financial wow. hardship. That's how I find something like that. So I'm not supposed to tell anybody where the auctions are. And the reason that, that they don't is they want them to be organic. They want whoever is really going to show up to buy a unit. That's the ones they want to show up, not somebody that wants to be on TV that's going to buy everything up and, you know, and just kind of be an ass. They don't sure. want that. They, they want, they want it to be organic. So that's the way that, uh, that's the way that they, they try to do it. We have a company called American auctioneers.com. Thanks for letting me plug it. And uh, plug we, away, uh, my friend. We have a lot of people, thank you. We have a lot of people in Southern California that come to our auctions. So, you know, when you see a larger crowd on one of them, it's probably one from our American auctioneers.com site. Oh, okay. And that's why there's more people there. To be honest with you, a lot of people do show up for auction, and when they see that we're filming, they just leave because they know that uh, you know it's going to take a lot longer than you know thirty oh, yeah. minutes or forty-five minutes. It's going to take going to take you know two or three, four hours to get in and out of there by the time they film it. Uh, I mean, the way that it works is that these things are public auctions, so everybody bids. And right. if somebody that's not in the show wins a unit, then the camera drops and they go to the next unit. But if somebody on the show that's wins. featured on the show wins a unit. Let's say Jared and Brandy buy something for a hundred bucks. Great. They bought it for a hundred. We'll do a take two. They'll switch all these cameras around. Now they'll still buy it for a hundred bucks because it legally sold for that, but they will, they will add the different players. in. so the action, the action's not always the same in real life as it sure. is produced for the show, but the end result is the same. Whoever buys it, buys it. That's a legal auction, real money, real risk. And, and so that's kind of one of the, you know, secrets behind the show. Best thing found on the show that you've seen? Uh, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I know that Jaron Brandy got a nice uh, crank thing full of uh, coins. I know that uh, Daryl's bought uh, that 300 grand worth Gutierrez artwork. That was one of wow. our facilities out in Montello. That was a real thing. Um, I know that um, recently, uh, Renee has got one and, uh, you know, he's got 90 grand worth of stuff going to show you guys. Um, wow. there's just, there's been some really good stuff from time to time. It seems like about once a year, there's a life changing unit in Southern California. And we hear about it. A lot of okay. professional sophisticated buyers, so they don't always tell, you know, 
Yeah. How, how, one of the things that I've seen, I, mean, I grew up in a house where, you know, my, my, my parents loved antiques and, and my, my, my ex-wife was a huge, you know, her family was very into art deco and a lot of the really cool old furniture. And you know, so we used to go, we used to go, you know, antiquing and, and kind of shop hunting and stuff like that. And it seems like everybody's a collector across the board. How hard is it now to find those hidden pieces? And are you finding them more in a, in a storage unit as opposed to at a garage sale or an auction or something like that? You know, or is you it- can find, you can find stuff anywhere. You can yeah. find stuff in a stack of five gallon buckets at an estate sale or up in an attic. You can find stuff in the moving and storage industry. You can find stuff in the self storage industry. We just had a sale two weeks ago. And, um, there was a guy named Chris at the auction. He bought a little deal for a couple of bucks full of gold and silver coins. He sold them to Renee from uh, our bargain hunters out in Poway for $11,000. Same day, he got home. He went and made himself $10,700 profit in the oh, same cool. day. Wow. It happened. You know, that's it awesome. Happens. I don't know why anybody would leave anything like that, but it happens uh, about um, – I don't know, I guess it was two years ago now or three years ago, we had a, one of our customers, no camera around, but he got 500 gram worth of gold uh, bullion and, and doubloons. It was 500 wow. grand worth. It was in a, a blue tote. It took, it, took, it took multiple people to pick it up and put it in the truck. It, uh, sure. you know, it was a real deal. And um, so how, how does, I mean, how does that work? Is that, I mean, and, and if I'm asking a question, you don't know the answer, just feel free. I mean, you can be like a Duffy. We make shit up all the time. But I mean, okay. is there a family that says, hey, hold on, like, you know, that was ours? Or, you know, sometimes I think that uh, sometimes people die without family. Sometimes right. people die and they're not getting along with their family. Sometimes people have secret things that they will put off and, and they will stash and they have one plan and it, it just goes south. I, I think what happens when, you know, people and when they get desperate, their priorities change. And sometimes multiple people will put stuff in a unit. So you just yeah. maybe this guy didn't know that she had anything of her husband's even in that unit. But he just let it go because he went to jail for DUI. And he said, screw it. I'm going to pay these four grand worth of, because there's nothing there I want anyway. Or sure. it belonged to my aunt Sally. And I never really looked in it and right. and it just looks like a pain in the butt and so i'm not going to jack it it happens more often than you think there was yeah. a lady that um uh, that worked with um oh uh madonna and worked with madonna in the late eight, uh, late 90s and her name was cheryl and she had stuff in a moving in storage and i sold like five boxes for 30 bucks times 550 bucks to a guy named bill mcclain and bill ended up getting like like a lot, like less than a half a million dollars, but he, oh. I mean, for his hundred bucks brought hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, sure. you know, she had everything from the, I don't know, what it was that sex lies and sex, sex lies, lies and tape, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Videotape or something like that. And uh, there was a lot of vaccine stuff with that. There was notebooks with, with little notes and stuff, wow. of, you know, about what they were doing when, and it was just, just amazing. So, you know, we've got some really, sophisticated buyers in Southern California that really look at these deals and, and they, they investigate and they figure out who's who. And, and, you know, there's just a lot of people that have money that have been in Southern California. And, and unfortunately if they store it and they don't pay it, somebody else is going to get it. Somebody's going to get and it. They're going right. to distribute it to other people. And um, that's just the way that it works. So you know, how long, one of the things about, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the things you, you, you start. Was, uh, 
I was just going to say that, you know, one of the things about storage wars that I really, really liked is I like the people that buy from me. I like my customers. I like sure. the people, you know, they're, they're hardworking people feeding their family. So, I mean, the, a lot of people thought they were vultures or bone pickers or whatever. And, and it really always hurt my feelings. And so storage wars came out and made the buyers look like heroes, like they yeah. are. And, uh, and that's just, uh, that's just been a wonderful thing. That's cool, man. That's cool. How did you get involved in, in the, the actual storage unit? How, how did I get into doing cattle and, and stuff like that and, and, and moving up you in, know, in, in storage 19, units? Yeah. In 19, yeah. 1985. I, um, I realized that it was easy for me to get storage unit auctions, but it wasn't easy for me to go work for the horse auctioneers or the equipment auctioneers or the auto auctioneers. And so I had my own company. I was trying to do auctions and, and that seemed to be an industry that uh, I could help and I could, uh, you know. I lost you, Dan. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I that's all right. Go ahead. To get in to get another charge on this thing um i just uh you know a lot of people say what kind of auctioneer are you and well i'm a storage auctioneer well they would look down their nose at me because they were selling equipment or horses or trucks and they were you know big time auctioneers and i was just a dude selling you know trying to make a hundred or two at a time but i got to where if i could pile a dozen of them up in a day i could make money and um sure so that's what that's what we did we just kind of tried to do that and try to do it better than anybody and we we recently we've got a, a nationwide self storage auction system called storageauctions.net and it's free to sign up and we have auctions um, all over the United States. I mean wow. they're building up all the time and it's pretty slick. It's free to sign up and search, just like American Auctioneers is also. So if you want to get right. free, you know, up on auctions in your area, you can certainly sign up for those. Oh, that's cool. Now, do you guys, I mean, do you have a series of auctioneers around the country that are, that are working for you guys doing that? Or is this something that only in SoCal? Yeah. Yeah. In SoCal, we have live auctions. We do live auctions in Southern California. We do a few in Northern California and every once in a while we'll go into a Nevada or Arizona and we'll do a nice live auction. The majority of our stuff is right here in Southern California. And we have three or four, we have two to five auctioneers that help us do those. I've got oh, two main cool. guys and then I've got a few people that will fill in. As far as storageauctions.net, it's a live and online auction system and portal. So anybody with live auctions can expose their auctions to our 306,000 subscribers nationwide. Wow. Um, or they can put there. Yeah, that's a lot. Or they can put their online auctions on there uh, for no commission and no membership fees and no listing fees. That's awesome. No cancellation. Yeah, it runs on a buyer's premium. So, and it's slick. That's cool. You know, I mean, it's so it's so wild to think of. I mean, to think of how how we kind of re you know reinvent ourselves as as the years go on. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you were an auctioneer and that's what you did. And now you're an entrepreneur and now you, you've literally taken the entire kind of auctioneer storage world and 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 taken a, an enormous piece of it. That's pretty cool, man. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, look, I'm a chef, man, and I've got, you know, I'm constantly reinventing myself. You know, you can't be cooking burgers for the rest of your life. And I don't want to be 50 years old standing on a line. Um, you know, when, when there's other opportunities out there, so we've got to go out and we've got to grab them. That's really cool, man. So is anybody else in your family? What's that? I said, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Is, is anybody else in your family involved in the business or is it just you and Laura? Mom passed and grandpa's passed, but, uh, 
Laura and I are the only two that are really actively doing auctions in our family. I was just trying to button that part up. Oh, I got you. Cool, man. Well, cool. Well, hey, is uh, is Laura around? Laura is not around yet. She actually was here, and we were in the middle of something, and then she went all the way to the other side of the parking lot to the Starbucks, <laughs> and uh, and uh, she hasn't she hasn't come back yet, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping that she's okay i can see all the way across the parking lot i don't really see her but lovely sure she's back there somewhere we still have a few minutes though right yeah no we're good man we're, we're in no hurry that's the best part about doing a live show is we get to do whatever the hell we want so right. we don't have to worry about it at all that. so i love that i've been i've been trying the bitcoin thing lately have you done anything with the bitcoin you know my my ex-girlfriend's uh, best friend is actually uh, kind of in the forefront of a lot of that technology. Uh, they just created this amazing ring um, that you actually wear, and it's got all of your information in it. And uh, it, it's uh, they're they're starting to blow them up. It's really pretty wild. Some of the stuff that they're doing. I haven't gotten that involved in it, but I love the technology. Yeah, I bought I bought some of that, and I I kind of diversified. So I I have like eight or and there's those little things, you know, and all the best ones. And, and I just, I watch that every day. I mean, it just kind of goes up to $3,000 every day. Yeah. And, uh, you, you're not supposed to watch it as often as I do. Right. So I got to, I got to control that. Well, I'll have to get you, uh, I'll have to get you some information on uh, my friend. She's in the process. She's in uh, the, the third stage of her, of her startup and the second round of this new product that they're coming out with, which is a ring. So I'll make sure that it's I do a little connect. I'm sorry. It's a wallet ring. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. I can't remember the name. One. That's weird. I, I need one because I forget everything. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. I mean, and you know, the problem is, is everything's got a password. So I, yeah. I can't remember a password to save my life. And then that you you go, you have to get a new password, and it says uh, you're not allowed to use any of your old passwords. So then I'm right. screwed. What about? Have you ever tried phrases? I do best with phrases. I never what, forget what a, a phrase. Great way, you know, just like something in your life that's something, yeah. or the num- the number that it came into your life. Like, you know, my third kid's a brat. I mean, mine's <laughs> not, but I mean, that would be one. that's not my passcode. But I, I got mean, you. you, know, you. What I'm saying? Stuff yeah, like that uh, is really easy to remember. So I use sure, phrases. Totally, I like the phrase yeah. idea. I I got to a point that it was it was like Hilton password. It was like you know. TD bank password. By the way, these are not my passwords, people. Right. But those right. were my passwords. And now the cool part about it is one Apple pay. I'm a huge fan of Apple pay and Google wallet. And I love, uh, I love fingerprints because now I can do I fingerprints like, on my phone I and everything that. else. I love that. I yeah. I love I'm a, to sign in with that. Yeah. It's so much easier, especially as we start getting older. Like, you know, I'm a chef, man. I'm a chef. I forget right. it. I forget it right. all. So, um, all right. So why don't we do this? Can, what, what are the basics of auctioneering? I've always loved watching and listening. And there's something just 100% a part of Americana that is the auction process. You know, you think about yeah. it with the auctions and you look at, at all, you know, Christie's and all the other stuff, no matter what, they all have the same, the same uh, talent or technique in which they do things, which is the cadence and the way that it works through. Uh, yeah. it, what, it, what is the, what, what is it? I think I think the, the some of the basic uh, most important things are to remember that you know as an auctioneer you're not talking at people you're really talking to people and really what you're doing is you're negotiating a price you're trying to figure out whatever it is that you're trying to sell you're trying to squeeze 
every dime that it might be worth to the people that are there. And so whatever you need to say to give them the, all the information that they need in the shortest amount of time, uh, that, that's, what, that, that's kind of part of the key. The other key is to know what you're selling. If you're selling something and you know that it's worth 50 grand, then why the hell would you sell it for 500 bucks? You wouldn't. Right. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. And if you know that it's worth 50 grand, then you're going to, you're going to try to get something like that. And, and, you know, sometimes what I'll do is if I think something's worth say five grand and, you know, I think I can get five grand for it. I might come out of the gate looking for eight grand or 10 grand. I might plan a little bit larger seed and then I'll, I'll fall back down to kind of where I want. And if I get lucky, I'll get a hand. If I don't, I'll drop that thing down to a price that I think more than one person will be wanting to get involved in it. So, you know, if it's worth, let's say I want five grand for it, I come out looking for 10 and then I immediately drop down to five looking for uh, some participation. I might drop down to a thousand bucks and try to get three people. And then I can just go, you know, one, two, three, or five, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a, you know, a thousand or 2,500 and 35 and 5,000, 7,500, 6,000, 5,500, you know, the larger the, increments to the most interested people will get you to, you know, the end result will be higher than, than if you jack around, you know, Nicklin, you know, I've got, you know, the same item, you're trying to get $5,000 for it. Well, who'll give me a hundred? Well, who'll give me two? Well, who'll give me 300? Well, hell, you're never going to make it 5,000. Oh my like God, that. never. You're never sure. Make it. People are going to get burnt out. They're going to get, you know, you can get three or four or five bids out of somebody, but you know, to get 10 or 12 bids out of somebody, they, they have to really know their merchandise. It's got to be priced right. And, you know, so those are a couple of secrets. Know your merchandise. Um, when you're auctioneering, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things where I've only got so much time to do this. So you, as a good auctioneer, you'll, you'll put a certain amount of urgency on something sure. like, you know, I've got a whole building full of stuff here and I'm going to sell this. And, I'm going to spend not very much time on it. You've got 15 or 20 or 30 seconds and I'm going to figure out who wants to pay the most. And when they stop putting their hands in the air, I'm going to sell that. And then I'm going to go to the next item and I'm not going to look back. And then if somebody really wants that, they better put their hand in the air because I'm going to sell that again. And you now can I'm on fly the next So if you want something, you better get in there because that one's gone now. Now, what are we, you know what I'm saying? And that's kind sure. of a urgency that a, a good auctioneer will add to something. And then as far as just auctioneering, you know, you start off simple and slow and steady. Like here's a lesson, $1 bill, $2 bill, $3 bill, $4 bill, $5 bill, go all the way up to a hundred and then change it up a little bit and say one now, two, two now, three, three now, four, four now, five, and then change it up a little bit. Uh, one and I've got two and two and I've got three and three and I've got four and then change it up a little bit and change it by nickels and dimes and quarters and, and dollars and, and halves and and then pretty soon you're just you know i've got one here and he'll give me two 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 where two there now three are you three sir you're out would you go three it. now three 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 bucks three now four four bucks going once twice gotta go guess what are you four four bucks three and a half he says sure why not would you be four sir he's at 350 you remind your own damn business and look at you <laughs> now you're out would you go 375 get mad get even get back yes he says 375 would you be four dollars there four dollars four dollars you're gonna let him treat you that way come on four 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 bucks i'll let him through i'll <laughs> <laughs> then you got it. The three seventy-five. You're too late for. Let's go to the next one. And that's kind of how things kind of progress. And that's pretty wild, man. Do you ever get tripped up? Oh yeah, it happens. It happens. So like if I've got a lot on my mind and I'm selling something, pay the lady Laura is the best sidekick to have around because she listens to every number and she knows every once in a while. She's headed back there right now. 
uh, she knows every once in a while I might be on a big old number and I just might forget where the hell I'm at. I'll look at her and she go, you were at 25,000 or that's whatever. Awesome, I mean, I took awesome. some big sales and every once in a while we get to deal with some big numbers and, you know, or if I've got a lot on my mind, I might just do something. Here's Laura right now. Laura, this is uh, Chef Duffy, and he had questions for you, babe. <laughs> oh, my God. He was, was going to get past me, but then he thought, you know, I think I'll just wait for her. Yeah. Hello, Brian. How are you, dear? It's good to hear your voice. It's nice to finally meet you. Oh, my God. Bless your heart. Thanks for paying the lady. <laughs> Look, you know, if I don't, I don't want to know what's going to happen. Oh, there you go. Do I ever get messed up and forget numbers? And I was explaining how sometimes you yeah. really paying attention. You help me out. That's, yeah, that's where I think I earned my money. You know, I make sure to pay attention and find those numbers and really watch. Sometimes Danny is so ahead of the game. I'm looking over there going, you got him in? You got him in? You know, five, 500 or whatever. And he's like, I'm already at 575 and I'm over here. And I'm looking at him going, oh, my God, I got to get on my game. But definitely, I love being Danny's, you know, his sidekick, the lady who stands there next to him and makes him look great. <laughs> we were we were we were talking a little bit earlier about having that quality person next to you and somebody's got your back. And I said that a buddy of mine had sent me a meme the other day, and I don't know if it was from a movie or not, but it was uh, there was a couple and they were standing in front of a guy, and the guy in front of them had a gun and a mask on, and they both had their hands up in the air, but she had her hand down the back of his pants on the gun, and you could see it. It said, "Always always find the woman who's got your back." That's so right. <laughs> you had that discussion that you were the lady no matter what. You had his back no matter what. Woohoo! You know it. <laughs> I'm his ride or die. And sometimes I question, you know, where are we going to and why do we have to die? You know? Exactly. <laughs> but so, I am so, there no matter what. <laughs> how, how did you how did you make the, the 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 world how did you leave the restaurant world to get into this? Oh, bless your heart. You know, yes. I, I was really into that, and I always thought, you know what, I think I. Did I lose you? I lost her. And, I, I thought I lost you. Oh, sorry, something did happen. It went in I and out. I told you to start the truck so you do, your phone doesn't die. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the damn truck. Bluetooth. There we go. All right. There and, we go. And uh, we'll just turn this off, and I think we're still doing good here. Let me <laughs> Okay, we're still on speaker. I think we're good now. How's that? I got you both. Right. Thank you. Back. Okay, uh, lost me. I, I think I forgot what. what <laughs> see what happened. <laughs> Very good. Yes, you know it was fun and serious and fast. But truthfully, when I saw Danny and I won him at auction, I thought that's where I want to go. You did not yeah. win me at auction. I did. I won him at auction. <laughs> that's pretty funny. What kind of restaurants did you have? I had Italian, and I had. Uh, Two Italian restaurants, pizzeria, uh, one was an express sandwich shop, and the other one was a pizzeria. And it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Pizzeria Express. Oaks. Yeah, yep. I was out there in Thousand Oaks, and oh, cool. I didn't realize that it was so much work. It really is a lot of work. You, you're just married to your job. But I love it. I, I, whoops, what's my, there we go. I absolutely give it all my all. And I love sure. creating and making people happy. And, you know, Danny says, wow, you know what? He says, you can cook, you can do this and that. I'm like, really, really? Well, I was just doing sandwiches <laughs> and little Italian pastas. And I had, you know, we had a, a family, um, very dear friend of ours. I'd call her my Nona. 
and in Italy. So I would go spend the summers in Italy and work in her hotel. And that is where I learned to do lots of different Italian, you know, recipes and make pasta and the, you know, oh my God, I just absolutely love it. But then that was just so much work. I wanted food that was delicious, but didn't take as long to make. And and if I could add alcohol to it, it would. I I probably would have stayed in the business. <laughs> I, I'm sure everybody would have been there eating. Yeah. But you know where we were was across from this industrial area, and people were lining up out the door to get my sandwiches. And what year? What year is this? What year is this? Uh, in uh, 1994, I opened in '93, and I did this until 1996. Okay. And because I, I was done, I was done. And, yeah, it and wears you quick. It, yeah, I ended up selling everything in 2000, but in 96 is when I met Danny, and that is when I was just um, said, okay, my heart is here, and I'm going to be leaving Thousand Oaks. I'm following him wherever he's at, and Riverside, and then on to Ukaipa, and the rest has been history. That's it's cool. It's just absolutely just been a fun time for us, and and I still enjoy cooking like crazy. My son comes in with all of his friends, and I feed him up, and <laughs> you got us, you got us, you, uh, had us change our oh. our habits, the way that uh, we eat and stuff. And and I've actually lost like almost thirty pounds, and she's lost like forty pounds. I don't oh, let wow. him stop at a fast food oh, my, place my, on the way home. My, son, <laughs> yeah. my son's six foot one or something, and and he was used to be a three hundred fifty pound guy, and he's two hundred ninety five yeah. pound guy now. Oh wow, good. 100, 195 now. We all just kind of took it seriously. And we thought, yeah, you know, we could be on one of those big loser, greatest loser shows. And we said, you know, let's just do it here yeah. <laughs> before anybody knows. Be a loser and, without doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and and how, did you, how did you guys lose it? We watched, started watching everything. So we cut out all the fats and the oils yeah. and and really cut it down she to like about 1500 calories a day from 2500 she gives me these strawberries and apples and starvation guys it's great <laughs> egg whites in the morning and, <laughs> and and i've been making them you know eat better but now mostly lean meat and yeah. like onions and like uh well, there's carbohydrates or... in the onions but what we're doing is a lifestyle change right now that we're just constantly having fun with what we eat and making sure that we have a balanced diet. And if I want it, we're going to eat it. We're just not going right. to go crazy. Like we used to. Get the whole pizza. <laughs> I don't think I've had a drink and uh, I don't think I've had a drink in two or three months. Right. I really miss it. I, I, I've got a nice collection of, you know, well, I've got a big bottle of Jack. Daniels. I don't know if you call <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. We can talk about collections all day. Just bring it back to the Jack. Yeah. I just, I got a collection <laughs> of Jack Daniels laying around. It's all the same. Stuff. Oh, you yeah. know, different amounts in the bottles, but uh, I just haven't really, I hadn't even had the desire. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm getting it old. No, you know, <laughs> it's not a diet. I mean, <laughs> Your wife I, hasn't been drinking. It, that's exactly, that's one of the big things right there. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I, I I loomed up a couple of years ago after the show, really during the show. You know, I mean, you guys, you guys, I, I don't know how much, how much traveling do you guys do with the show? You know, every, every, uh, every other day, about a hundred miles of home back and forth. But not much. Not too we, much. We don't, I don't think travel, you'd even call it traveling. We're on the road and we're you know, yeah. we have to eat. So we do a lot of different things. We've got a, uh, we do a lot of different auctions. You know, we had an auction last year with Corvettes and we did almost a million dollars worth of a Corvette collection. One guy that had died. And this year on um, the end of this year, on new year's day, we've got a Camaro auction plan and it's an estate, a single collection. It's the largest, the largest collection of first and second generation Camaro parts and cars 
in the on the west coast it used to be the largest in the nation and the guy that's in charge of the estate has already sold 700 grand out of it so i mean we've got about 400,000 left and it's going to be a great sale yeah. on Thursday. we'll put it on proxy bit also so they can nice. go to american.com and sign up we'll send them something. should be great <laughs> well, one of the things i want to I, I'm out okay. your way. I'm out your way every now and then. So I, uh, I, we, we need to cook one day. Love that. I yeah. swear to God. I, and I look, I don't just say that like I'm dead serious. You know, we have, have the kitchen we've for got, you. Uh, we've got a 36 inch radiant char broiler. I've got an Alto sham. We've got a, a Viking outside with hoods and everything with oh, the we'll best play. of you. you can see. 60 miles. Double ovens, uh, double warmers. I saw this house and said, I got to have it. And even though I never thought I would even cook that much, now I find every excuse under the sun to try to do it and cook it up once in a while and have a big party or, yep, you know, get together. Cook. We got to cook. So when you're yeah. in Southern California, you get some heads up and we will, we will. No, I totally will. Cool. Let's and do it. Laura, I was just telling, I was just telling Dan, I was out there. I was out there this whole week. I was in Sacramento in LA. So, um, yeah, my brothers live in LA. They own a production company and I, I had the luxury. I I call it a full luxury of being up in Sacramento. I got to harvest walnuts all week. You guys were having your stolen by crows and neighbors. I was up there shaking them off of trees. Is that what did it? Yeah. Laura doesn't know yet. Oh, sorry. He hasn't talked to my my guy, but Manuel called me. Or he re- he re- he responded. He said the crows stole my stuff. The crows. He said the crows stole my wallets and holes and everything. <laughs> I was blaming the gardener, you know. <laughs> well, I thought you know what? He just didn't want him to go to waste. He knew we were out of town and just probably right. cut him. No. And and we're going to get a big bucket. No, they took no. every damn wallet. <laughs> and I was wondering what animal would do that. You yeah. know. <laughs> Never thought about it. I'll be ready for them next year. I'm going to put a tree net around Those sneaky damn birds. I, yeah, I learned. I, got some cams. I was going to put my game cams down there and find out who's ripping me off. I was ready to catch them. <laughs> <laughs> I was in. Uh, so you I went in, walnut. I did. I had walnuts, walnuts for, for two days straight. I did. I got to. Uh, I, I drove in. I flew in on Tuesday night. Uh, and I got to hang out with uh, with a farmer and uh, some media people and a bunch of chefs. There were ten of us out there, and we had a great meal at a great little restaurant in uh, in downtown Yum. Sacramento called the Grove, I think, or Grange. And then oh, the next wow. day, we hopped on the bus and we went up into uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but we went up to a farm called Nolene Ranch. And they have 6,500 acres. They have about 5,000 acres of cattle. They have the remaining are walnuts and there's another, another, and a fruit that they're producing as well. Uh, but oh, we got wow. to hang out on 750 acres worth of walnut farms and we got to shake some trees. And uh, then the next day, we got to go into the kitchens and we went down to the Art Institute, Art Institute in Sacramento and 10 oh, chefs wow. sat down. We had a whole class, a three hour class on walnuts and grading and the process. Then we had a nutritional class as well. And then we got to go into the kitchen and we paired up into teams and, you know, chefs just playing with each other is always a blast. So we came up with really cool dishes and just got to kind of play around. And, you know, I love things like that because one, it's something that it's an experience. I try to do as much in my life as I can with experiences. And, and look, you know, we, everybody can talk about reality TV and, and the whole nine yards. It's made a nice life for a couple, for a large group of us. 
And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Bar Rescue gave yeah. me the opportunity to do things that I never, ever would have done in my life. So, you know, I, I appreciate that on a daily basis. And I'm, I'm you know, I love talking yeah. to other reality people because they I think a lot of them that are successful have that idea as well, that that's something that that, that moved them forward a little bit in their life. Yeah, right. I, I, I believe I, that. Yeah, I agree, too. How exciting for you. And, you know, walnuts have got so much nutritional value. And I bet you that people realize that they're going to put them in food even more and cook them up and put them in there and just eat them and just find, find wonderful ways. I can tell you, when it. I went down there to go get my damn walnuts, <laughs> and there wasn't one walnut on the tree. And I had my little fruit picker in my hand <laughs> in my car. I thought... Son of a God, I cannot believe it. Somebody has ripped me off. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm saying, well, maybe it's just, it's, it's getting a little dark. Maybe I'm just missing it. No, I'm right. not missing it. Well, there's got to be some up on the top of the tree. No. And they're all. No, not even one left. Yeah, let me tell you, he's been going down there every day. The, the we were gone on the weekend. He says, okay, they were a little, a little, you know, just not totally ready, you know, a couple weeks ago or so. And he says, they're going to be I ready. pulled one off of there. I cut, I cut it off with my knife. I cracked open. It's still a little green. You know, I mean, it wasn't ready to be pulled and dried and hauled or whatever. But um, Well, we got next year. Well, and what happened last year is I got one little damn bag of them. And I, I, I took them out of their holes. I put them in a brown bag. I put them on my sink and they I let them ready. sit there. Yeah, but they were when your people took them and ate all my damn walnuts. I've been trying to eat a walnut off my tree for two or three years. And people keep beating me to the punch. And it's really irritating. Oh, here you go. I gave a huge bag away. Gave, her, gave them to her mom and all her, her mom's friends. Yeah, my whole bag. Didn't even leave me one. You two are right. I know. I, well, I, I, I hate to say, I literally... I walked through the groves and just kept picking them up. I, I must have eaten. Uh, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I probably ate four or five pounds of walnuts that day. <laughs> just you, you, walking you through the fields and you know, trying to be a tough guy. I'm cracking them in my hands and the whole nine I yards. I love it. Yeah, I love it. It was good though. You walk in your hand and put them together, and they crack each other pretty good. They'll yeah. one will crack the other. Yeah, and wow. the shells are a little bit softer, and, and to watch the roasting, it's not really even a roasting process. It's a drying process that they have to go through. Um, you know, they wash them all off, and they run them through. It's a really it's a really cool process, the things that they do. The shaker of, and the way that they get them out of the trees is, is really cool. It's a big machine that comes up in front of the tree, and then it has these pads that go around either side, and it shakes the tree at the root, and then they just fall oh. right off. And, but it's, oh. it's a bigger, I mean, and actually Laura, if you guys go onto my Instagram, which is chef Bryduff, there's a picture okay. from last week that, that is a boomerang of the, of the tree shaking with this machine. It was kind of cool. Oh, we I, we're going to do it. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Hey, let me yeah. ask you a question. How long yeah. did they have, once, once they got the hulls off of them, how long did they dry them before they said they were ready? It's about two days. Okay. Oh, that's, that's quick. That's about it's it. Day. Yeah. yeah. There's not much that they do to them. So they, they bring them in. So they harvest them. They, they, there's a, there's a shaker. The shaker goes down uh, the aisle and it reaches out and grabs each tree, shakes it under the ground. Then there's a sweeper that comes up and the sweeper sucks them in with these pads that are on rotating um, wheels and it sucks everything into the center of it and it puts them directly down the center aisle in between each tree. And then from there, there's another machine that comes up that picks every one of these walnuts up. Uh and it starts to separate them at that point. So a lot of the hulls start to fall off inside of the truck and they're left back into the groves or into the orchards. So then they bring them over to these, these uh, 25 foot, 25 square foot 
uh, dumpsters basically that are on the ground and they start to fall through. They go up through one machine that splits them then so that all of the holes and the leaves and any additional branches end up in – they go into a big truck that ends up going back out for compost. And then the rest of them start to go through the process. There's two women that work – uh, for three months straight for the harvest season, and all they do is is pick everything out. They pick all the crap out of the walnuts, and then they go back through a washing process. They go across the street through a big tube, and they end up in these dryers, which have these gas furnaces on the base of them that just raise the heat a little bit. They don't toast them. It just starts to dry them out. They get dropped off, and then they're done with them. Then they go out to the processor. All these guys do is harvest and then get them out. I, I have wow. a suggestion for you wow, next wow. time you go there. <laughs> you should go down like to Ross and get you two or three of those big suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> and you should fill them full of like cured walnuts uh-huh. and uh, fill them all the way to the brim and don't even bother to put a bag around them. And if they open them up, you know, in the security, there'll be walnuts everywhere. They'll just open one bag. They Every- won't open them all. They won't open another. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I, and I'm the guy who gets stopped. I'm the guy who gets stopped because I, I'm the guy with a microphone all the time with a bass that isn't see-through. <laughs> and, right. and, and, and let me tell you, I'm 72,000 miles in the air this year so far. I'm no stranger to being stopped. God, wow. Yeah. You fly all over. I do. Laura, I, and, I, I were fly, Laura and I were wow. flying somewhere a few years ago, and we and she has her little bag. And they want her really to leave that bag so they can put it in the I'm belly like the of the plane. I'm like the last one on the plane. <laughs> and so we, we start going down the aisle. And, I'm like, oh, there's got to be room for this. And the first lady says, no, you got to leave that out. And Laura says, I can't leave that out. It's got my stuff in it or whatever. Let, let me switch mine with my husband. So Where did you Laura put it? Laura finds her seat. And she, she, you're not going to let me tell this, are you? <laughs> Laura, um, Laura, Laura goes in there. You just have to put ignore it now. Okay. Laura says, you know, find a place for my bag. And she just sits down and I'm sitting there and I'm opening everything because everything's already closed. They're ready to leave. Right. And I'm opening stuff and I'm pulling bags out. And finally, after about, this is no, no goal. I mean, it took me like five minutes, probably, or four minutes. People are getting kind of upset. I finally figure out a way for it to fit in like a puzzle. I get it in, I close, I look at everybody and I said, this is a new show we're working on. It's called, uh, Stowage Wars, and <laughs> exactly. everybody rolled in class. I'm so happy that I just got that thing. This one to sit down. It's so funny that I have the same suitcase for two days that I do for 14. So I, I will not check a bag. I will not check a bag. I've got to make it fit up top. And, I, and there have been some touch and go mornings where I've been packing bags after working late the night before, going out with the boys or something, and I'm sitting on top of a suitcase just so I don't have to check it. So. Um, but uh, Hey, Laura, I got a quick question for you. What is of all the stuff that you have seen, you know, uh, Dan and I talked about some of the cool stuff that he's seen and some of the weird things that he's seen coming out. What's one of the wildest things that you've seen come out of one of these storage or out of one of these auctions? Wow. Um, well, one of the craziest ones was a Jack Kevorkian unit and it looked like either the person lived, I didn't know that it was his unit until uh, we investigated everything afterward because we found some of his, his death machine and oh. crazy stuff. Yes. This, this is a cool story. You ought to go machine, into it. This unit looked like either the person lived inside of a, a laundromat or in the hospital. This guy named Rich shows up to our auction yeah. and he was, he bought another unit out in Hemet, California and he found some 
some um, pedophile type photographs and he turned it into the law and the law actually arrested this uncle. And this was like two weeks before this auction came up with this Kevorkian stuff. So this guy did a good deed. He's been coming around. All right. So anyway, I tell Laura how proud I am of this ex-Marine with us seven daughters and he wanted to do the right thing. So, you know, he went, he got to the bottom of it instead of just throwing this stuff away. I was pretty impressed with him. Well, he shows up at Laura's auction and buys this little unit. He doesn't have enough money for the $40 cleaning deposit, but he's got enough money to buy the unit. It was like a hundred bucks. $125. All right. So anyway, long story short, she's inside the office counting the money out to the facility. And she, I tell the guy, you've got to clean it out today. You can't even leave it behind. You got to haul it out of she here. She waved his $40 cleaning you deposit. You cannot use the dumpster. And she said, you, you know, nobody can use the dumpsters. That's just part of our rules. And you got to, right. so anyway, she sees, she sees this guy in the security camera throwing black bags in the trash can. I thought that SOB. She finishes <laughs> her business up and she goes out there and she tells him, you can't be putting stuff. He denied he did it. And she goes, look, I saw you on the camera. She like basically walks him over to the dumpster. He grabs one bag out of there, throws it on the ground and a hundred dollar bill flies out of the top of it. Yeah. Come to yeah. find out there $11,555, right? In, in currency in these soap boxes. And there was five grand in there was, bills. Pardon $33,500. And the guy bought himself a new truck with that. Yes, and everything was, uh, everything was, the numbers matched up. And what was so weird about it, it was hidden and stacked away in laundry, um, the old-fashioned laundry soap boxes. And oh, my God. There. And it was Kevorkian's unit. He and was the, in jail at and the, the time. Machine and they were trying to let there. him out of jail um, because he was sick. And one of his guys actually put the stuff in storage and lost it. Yeah. And, uh, and many wow. years later, when all she realized what this was, is it property of Jack of Work, and he had thrown the death machine away, and this no. and that. And this guy, this guy that bought this. this wait, the, the, a newspaper and a magazine, uh, 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 people get a hold of us and said, we are doing a story, you know, on his life. He's getting out of prison, and we want to finish his book. And we were able to give him some information, and it was. Oh, uh, that's cool. I paid up. This one did not get paid up, and this is where the money and stuff was, and it was crazy. It was weird. Yeah. Wow. I mean, who has who has eleven thousand dollars, right? It was, was thirty three thousand. But it was was it eleven eleven thousand and just five dollars. And they were though. final bills. Oh, also jeez. Numbered. I yeah. mean, who does that? That's weird, right? Yeah, yeah that's odd. Oh, I get another one. I have another one, real quick. Four hundred dollar unit sell it for all there is is a trunk inside and a bunch of trash but this trunk looks like it came out of a pirate movie that it's a prop for a pirate show right. so i'm looking at it going you know come on guys and we were just had started filming our show so i had so many people there when they saw just this one unit i had one thing they were just leaving turning and leaving turn and burn and i'm trying to talk you know somebody inviting this unit a couple guys are left i end up selling this unit with the a, two brothers. Yes. With like, hey, you know, this trunk itself is worth at least $400 if you were to buy it in an antique store. And he buys it top dollar. This is one of the first auctions wow. they ever went to. Yeah. And they were, they were motivated from storage wars to yeah. even get out there and do this stuff. Oh, that's cool. Store. So I go inside the office and I'm waiting for this guy to come in and give me the deposit and he's taking forever. So I go out there and he is bent over and folded like inside this trunk. She thinks maybe he's passed I out thought, or something. What the hell is going on? <laughs> she tells the manager, you need to go check on that guy. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, we got to get out there and look. And, you know, and I'm like, can we use your golf cart? What can we do? Because look at this guy. We get over there, and the guy's like, get back, get back, get back. And we're like, what? And he closes the trunk down. I'm thinking, what's in there? Porno? What's going on? A dead body in there? Right. He says to me, um, um, he goes, I, I, I want to know if I can have 24 hours on the shoot. I said, you got you to pay me the deposit right now and everything. And he says to me, panic. What do I do? And inside this 
um, trunk was twenty two thousand dollars. It was, it was uh, twenty four grand. Twenty four grand. Twenty dollar. Uh, twenty dollar bills. There's twelve hundred twenty dollar bills, and it. the face was cut out of each and every one. Each and every and one. I don't know why the face was cut out. No. Maybe yeah, yeah, I swear to God. And he got he got his twenty four grand out of his money, yep. and he got eight hundred dollars for that trunk. Yeah. And those two brothers, <laughs> they came to a filming the other day. I was trying to get production trying to talk to them. Oh, that's production cool. Yeah. Here they are. Seven years later, they're still buying units from us. And and one of their first thing, they made twenty four thousand eight hundred dollars yeah. on their on their four hundred dollar unit. That's so, I mean, what, I want to come and buy better. a unit. I want to come yeah. out and buy a unit now. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's and I'll yell at you and tell you how dirty it is. It'll be awesome. Yeah, it is dirty. <laughs> That's one thing with Danny and I. We get in there, make our money, and I don't. We don't get to go through the units or find the score that way. But we get to hear about it, and then those buyers come back and spend sometimes money. we get to hear about it. Like yeah. I said, we got some pretty sophisticated buyers here, so we don't get to hear a lot of deals. Not but, everything, but. You know, when somebody buys something really good, it's very difficult for them not to talk about it. Especially and with the a, show. It's a small grapevine out there, and I, <laughs> I hear a lot. I mean, I, I have lots of little birds that come and tell me lots of little things, and, and that's, uh, that's the way I like it. That's we cool. have a good time. That's yeah. Cool. Well, I can tell you guys have a good time, and, and uh, I, I don't want to keep you guys all night. I know you guys have a life, and, and you're, you don't need to spend your life with me. So um, I would love We're to talk to you guys. In- Still in the parking lot, Jeff. A lot of fun. <laughs> I thought I got to talk to you. We're still sitting in the damn parking lot. I can't so, did you get your coffee, Laura? I did. She's got coffee. She's even got a cheese Danish here. I started cracking into it. I oh, know it's no. not part of my diet. I'm not sure why she got it, but it looks like a hell of a treat. She made me put it down. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> what she's doing with it. They gave it to me in there for free. They said, here's some, something special for you. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, one of, the things, one of the things <laughs> with cooking that I that I did when I lost a lot of weight was it's all about the vary. It's all about varying it up. It's about switching yeah. it up all the time. You know, I would never That's eat the right. same vegetable on the same day. I lost 53 pounds in 40 days. So Good I would never, yeah, I had to don't get me. I, I put 18 back, Laura. I, I, I made sure to make sure it went in the right places. So I've got nice curves. That's going. right, baby. But most people can only <laughs> yeah. lose money like that with an I, amputation. I was telling yeah. Danny, I don't like it. Skinny man that I've done. Yeah, I like a little. I think there's a personality that goes along with that. I like a little girth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've got girth, baby. I'm good. I I am a I'm a I'm I'm an old school rugby player and an old school soccer player. So I've got. Yeah, I've got big, big, strong shoulders and strong legs, and I've got the beer belly to prove that I drank for all those years leading up to it. So I'm good. <laughs> but I'm I'm serious. I want to I want to cook for you guys. I, I leave. You need more time. You know this is life. Hey, Danny, it's, it's time time for you to head out of the Starbucks, man. But but one of the big things for me is really about varying it up. I, I mean, I really tried. I would have a different protein in the morning that I would at night. I would have a different vegetable in the morning that I would at night. So I was always switching it up. One, it kept me kind of on my toes and kept me excited. The other thing that I'll tell you what will make you guys have a lot of fun is a machine called a sous vide. Okay. Oh, okay. S-O-U-S. It's called a sous vide. It's S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. You can buy one. I don't get any money for this, but you go to a website or you go and look on Amazon for something called ANOVA. A-N-O-V-A. Okay? ANOVA. Okay. And, and then when you get that, you guys both have my phone number. So you guys give me a call. Oh, I'll, walk, 
through the easy process of how to use it. But it's an immersion circulator, and it's got a Bluetooth reader on it, so it connects to your phone. And let's say that you guys want to make the perfect steak. Okay, right. I will teach you how to make the perfect steak. You, you sear it off, a little bit of butter, salt and pepper on either side, some fresh herbs, and then you pop it in the bag like a Ziploc bag, and you put it in at 119 degrees for one hour. You pull it out. You let it sit for a little bit, and then you sear it in the pan again Be right before you serve it. But you can pre-do things. Like I do chicken thighs that I use mustard and fresh herbs. I sous vide them at 155 degrees for an hour, and then I leave them in the fridge. So when I want to get them again, I drop them in a pan. I don't use a lot of oil or butter. I use, um, I use chicken stock or beef stock. Or vegetable oh, stock, if that's the delicious. case you want to go. So you get that in there, and it keeps that moisture going, but it'll kind of eliminate the sticking to the pan. But it cuts back all your fat from using the olive oils and the butters and stuff like that. So that's kind of my Fabulous. suggestion. Yeah, but you guys have Anova, my Anova, I'm going to look this up. Yeah. It's a sous vide, and it's from Anova. Yep, and I'll text and I, this name when we hang up. So. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I love yeah, you guys. Call you. I think you guys are awesome. A, we want to have a big cooking thing. So if you want to, you want to come to the house on the mountain and take advantage of either yeah. the inside kitchen. We have a huge kitchen or, or a nice, beautiful outside kitchen. We can take advantage you of either should, one. We can film it. Do it. Make everybody see it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do something fun. We'll do something totally fun. Yeah. I'm out there every now and then. I've got a, um, I've got a, a little interest in a property down in Tijuana that I work with. So, um, right. how far? How far? Where? How, where are you guys? Closer to LA or closer to San Diego? Yeah, we're closer to Palm Springs. Probably uh, 40 minutes towards oh. LA from Palm Springs, and probably we're an hour. We're an hour from. Uh, LA and 40 minutes from Palm Springs. Exactly. Okay. I'll tell you, I spent, I spent an, a, a wonderful night in Borrego Springs. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. There, yeah. With that one little stoplight and there's a great little bar there. And I think the name of the bar is like Janet's or something. Way cool. It was Yeah. It's just, there's a great little resort over there. That's right in Borrego Springs. And it's a, it's a really, really neat area. And, and the drive in is beautiful and, you know, hiking through, this is where all the stat, the statues are, the sculptures oh, wow. that the guy bought. He bought this whole land and he put these sculptures up in the middle of it. And there's a dragon that goes across the, the street that goes under the street and then pops up on the oh. other side. And there's a oh, huge, uh, there's a huge scorpion that's probably 30 or 40 feet high that's all made out of metal. And you just drive through the desert and there's all these artists, all these sculptures all throughout. It's really pretty wild. So if you get it, yeah. head into Borrego Springs. Yeah. Yeah, I think Borrego Springs is like uh, towards fun. Julian from like the Palm Springs Indio area, right? Is, yeah. is that right? That's yeah, like exactly. Oh, yeah. We, had a, we had a car collection one time in Julian, California on a 3,600-acre ranch that had its own airstrip. And this old guy had about 115 cars, and he had like 28 old Lincolns, 20 old Cadillacs, three Rolls Royces, 64 and a half Mustang. And he took all these cars and put them out there in the desert, left the keys in them, oh. and all the rubber and everything rotted out, but the metal was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and this guy, this guy calls me up one day, and this has been years ago, but he, he calls me up and we make a deal. And he, I said, you know, I sold this other sale. I told him about another sale. He goes, did you do that sale at Lake Elsner Recreation Area? Yes, I did. Come here. He points at this old uh, Ford, Ford car, car. <laughs> and he goes, I bought that from you and I spent 1400 trying to get it smogged and I'm just going to, I just can't even get it smogged. And I, I looked at him, I said, well, we'll sell that to another sucker. He goes, I'm going to have you sell this for me. And two weeks later, when I didn't yeah. get a contract 
So I give him a call. He goes, I'm just not ready. Six months later, he calls me. If I went out there for over a year and a half, three or four times. Courting him. Fine. I wouldn't court him. It was courting. Not really. <laughs> you call it what you want. I mean, I was just being professional. I was talking to one time after. Whoa. Almost got it. Yeah. Almost watched two people. So, wow. In the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, finally, after about a year and a half and about my fourth trip, uh, his wife calls me and says, I don't know when Norm will ever want to sell this, but if you ever, something happens to him, I'll give you a call. Three months later, Norm passed. She calls yeah. me up, and on a Labor Day, I sold this damn thing, and I had airplanes landing, and I, I in just, the middle I of did, the runway, in the middle of a desert, in the middle <laughs> of a hot day. It took me forty-five minutes, and and we did, I don't know, a couple two fifty, three hundred thousand. It was a great sale. Rattlesnakes everywhere, Rolls Royces awesome. and old fire trucks and Lincolns, and just incredible. This guy had a hundred twenty-five foot by sixty foot aircraft. Um, what do you call a hangar? And he yeah. had about 350,000 coffee, coffee cups, all coffee individually mugs. wrapped up in their own little bag, oh, like God. a plastic bag. And <laughs> I, you see everyone I, different. And I'd ask, uh, you know, I'd ask him, I said, why, why do you have all these cups? And he says, well, that you can tell how. Well, you can tell about a person. You can tell about a person what they write on their cup. And I'd just been picking them up for years. <laughs> and behind the cups were stuffed animals. And he probably had a quarter million of those. Oh, These God. things, I'm not kidding. They were stacked 20 feet high, just crazy. 20 foot back, and over 120 feet wide. And, and it took us, I don't know, a week or two to just to clean that out. And that's where we found Rolls Royces. We found oh, games. Geez. We found oh all kinds of stuff in there. That's where the so treasures were was, behind these mugs. That was a great auction. <laughs> you come to my house, you're going to find shoes. I've got shoes hidden everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. Yeah. Love shoes. Love shoes. <laughs> don't need to with shoes. You know, my shoes. son has picked up that trait from me because, you know, he's like macho, this and that. And I go in and I check his stuff out and I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. you get your closet out. It is, and he looks at me. He goes, "Mom, I have a place for every pair of my cool shoes. These are Yeezys. Yeah. These are this. These are that." And I have learned more about Air Jordan, Jordans, and old different shoes, and played again. You know, oh my god! Yeah. So he starts this Wednesday, as a matter of fact, um, a new job, and to do some buying for a like a a designer streetwear oh, cool. skateboard line. Yeah. That's so I figured, you know what, Red. If you like it, you're spending so much money on the damn clothing. Whenever they drop every Thursday, they drop a new something for the skateboard line. He has to try to buy it. So now he's 19 years God. old and he's going on 19 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go get a damn job. You know, he's supposed <laughs> to be going to college, figuring out things, but uh, he wants to go a different route. I don't blame him. You know, I think he's worried about everybody getting the jobs while he's in school. So he wants yeah. to go out there and work like the rest of us. Yeah. So God he bless him. Was, yeah. Right. I said, well, you know, figure it out. As long as he's right. doing it. <laughs> it worked too. We all did. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, I, I just want to thank you so much for your time and 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 hopping on and, and your relationship just makes me uh, makes me want makes me want that same thing. I like how you guys work together and and the way you guys oh, balance out of each balance off each other and it's pretty cool. So, um, but uh, I'm yeah. I'm coming to Cali. I'm coming to your house and I'm coming to cook. You people. gotta do it. I you gotta give us a little heads up and we'll I will. For sure uh, make arrangements and. Uh, yep. Bring and, uh, you here, and if we're filming, we'll pull you on out with us and come on and show you a unit or two. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll end up buying something. I, I'll, I'll be like, oh, my God, there's got to be something in there. I know there yes. is. Yeah. Oh, there okay. is. So, oh, all right. God, well, I thank you guys that. so much. Hey, why don't you do me a favor real quick? Tell us how we can all get in touch with you. Thank okay. you very much. We're we're on a lot of social media. We're on Dan and Laura Dawson on Facebook. Uh Auction Guy Dan, Pay the Lady Lore on Twitter, and uh, you can catch us at AmericanAuctioneers.com, storageauctions.net. And on YouTube at The Auction Guy Dan, and we have just 
hours and hours yeah, of fun. Probably got 15 or 20 hours of content, a couple million views. And pre-storage wars, how it all started. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw your one video, Dan. I saw the one where you were doing the uh, the sports. You were doing uh, auction yeah. auctioneer commentating. It was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. They yeah. they asked me to do that again last year, and you know I. I just wanted to get compensated a little bit for it. And I mean, anything at all, because, you know, it's an hour and a half drive one way to L.A. And I know and they, what it was, because then the next week they asked him to do the Critics' Choice Award. I think that they had something bigger and better planned with our I, network for I him to do. I he had to learn 50 of Kevin Costner's film and get up there and rattle them off auction style. And they said, oh, we'll have them in the very back of the room posted on this monitor. He goes, I can't even see the monitor. I had to kind of remember the oh. stuff, and they just went wow. out with the last minute. And yeah. with the ESPN thing, you know, there like was 12 a lot hours of, prior. I'm sorry. There was a lot of changes <laughs> with that that came at the last sure. minute. And, and so anyway, I just asked for a little bit of money and they said, uh, no, but we're not going to do it this year. <laughs> so oh, if you don't want to do it for free, it's not going to get out there sometimes. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. Oh. But it was fun. We had a great time. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, guys. So well, coming, yeah, you come and see us and let's do some cooking. <laughs> I would love it. I absolutely would. Thank you guys so much Quite for your up. time again. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks a lot, man. We'll sling it out there. Let's uh, send us a link. All right, guys. Keep in touch and take care. And uh, I'll make sure that we get this all out to you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks for paying the lady. I'm going out there. I'm going to cook with these guys. It's going to happen. All right. So do me a favor. Check out Laura. Check out Dan. You can find them all on social media and all the good stuff. You can see them all the time on A&E for Storage Wars. Um, Really, really great to meet these guys. One of the cool parts about the show is the fact that I get to meet people over the air, and then I actually start friendships with them. So I'm really excited to get out there, have a little bit of fun. I'm going to cook on the top of that mountain with those those people, and we're going to have a good time. So everybody, thank you so much for episode number 30 that we're going to hit roughly two hours on. So you're going to have to break it up. But do me a favor. Tell all your friends about Duffified Live. My name is Chef Brian Duffy. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter. At Chef Brian Duffy. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Chef Brian Duffy. Any questions you guys want to see a guest, connect them with me. I'm always on Twitter because I have a boatload of fun and I talk shit to everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you later. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.